What up, what up? This is Jimmy Murray here with Frank Petalano, and we are the Cashflow Kings. The Cashflow Kings podcast discusses money, finance, mindset, and investing with an emphasis on cash flowing real estate. Hi, and welcome to the Cashflow Kings podcast, episode two Building Systems. My name is Frank Petalano, and I'm here with Jimmy Murray, and we're here to help you crush it and make money. So I'm really excited for episode two. Uh, we're here with Rich Piola, who's a local entrepreneur uh, in the Rhode Island area. And uh, Rich doesn't know this, but anytime I refer to him in our social circles, I refer to him as my entrepreneur dad because he's taught me <laughs> a ton of different things and given me great, sound entrepreneurial advice that I put to work every single day. So, Rich, we're, we're happy to have you here. Great to be here. Thanks for the compliment. <laughs> Yeah, I, I, your dad. I, was, I was hoping you would take that as a compliment. I was thinking about that on the ride in this morning. I'm like, I don't think he knows this, but that's that's how we're going to play out the intro here. So um, definitely excited to have you here. Uh, would you mind just telling the listeners kind of how you get started in, in real estate and some of the things you do on a day-to-day basis? Sure, sure. Um, as, Jim, as you said, Jim, I'm an entrepreneur. I, I started uh, back when I was 20. Bought my first business and um, decided to. I liked. I like being an entrepreneur. I like being my own boss. I like being in control of my own destiny. Um, so from there, I, I continued to buy or open more businesses. And then at one point, I said, "Hey, this is really cool doing this with with the food businesses that I that I have. Let's try doing it with real estate." And that's how it began. So awesome. Late, yep. Late nineties, I started buying real estate, and uh, was. Kind of, kind of lucky that I bought at a at a good time. Hey, sometimes you're gonna be lucky to be good, right? That's right. Right. That's right. Great. So uh, this episode, we're mostly gonna talk about systems and the procedures that uh, Rich has done in order to make his uh, businesses and real estate very successful. So the first thing I have here is what is a system, and uh, the definition that I've uh, decided to use is a system is a step by step guide on how to complete a task in a business. And, uh, for example, Burger King, there's a specific series of steps to make a Whopper. Where do you put the mayonnaise? How many pickles? Etc. Now, who uses systems? Well, every company uses systems. Most create entire training guides that each employee must view and complete in order to be a member of the team. Right. Whether that's Walmart or Target or Apple Computer. Uh, why are they important? Well, if everyone follows the same system, then your procedures will be consistent. And that's very important. Go ahead, Rich. You just said the most important word of being a successful business owner. Consistent. Consistency is the key to success. And I think we've talked about this with pizza before, right? That's right. Right. That's right. So I think that's a good story. Go ahead. That's yeah. It doesn't matter what business you own. If, you, if the product or the service that um, is your widget for that particular business is not consistent, you're not going to be successful in the long term. Right. Uh, speaking of the pizza, uh, back you know back in the day, uh, you know when I was much younger, I owned pizza places. Um, that was one of the widgets at the time that I had. That's why I like to say all businesses are exactly the same. Every business it doesn't matter what industry you're in, what your product or service is, they're all the same. They all have the same four components, and so forth. Then it's just a matter of what widget you want to plug into the business machine. It could be pizzas, it could be catering, it could be real estate, it could be online selling online products. It's all the same. Right. So if you can have systems in place, 
to run the business and you always refer back to the systems, you're going to be successful long term. And I think one of the big things that we've talked about before is that all businesses have similar pillars too, right? Mm -hmm. And so I think we talked about um, kind of operations, sales and marketing, and accounting and finance pillars. That's correct. And that's probably one of the best ways to start to face off against a business, no matter what you're going to do. And then you can probably build out your systems from there. That's right. That's right. You know, if myself and friends of mine who are entrepreneurs, you know, as long as you're making money, it becomes a game, right? It's the game of business. In fact, there's a great book that um, if you're an entrepreneur, you probably want to read. It's called The Great Game of Business. Uh, teaches you about managing and, and having open book management and so forth. Awesome. But it's the point of that is it's the game. It's a game. If you love what you do, it's fun. But like every game, whether you're playing Monopoly or Sari or you know Gin Rummy, there's a set of rules, and those are the rules you follow, and that's what makes the game fun and exciting. Well, your rules of your game of business are your systems. Absolutely. Right. And what pe- what keeps people when you're not around? Like say you're on vacation, what keeps them adhering to the rules? Yep. It's the culture. So you have to have two things to be a, a successful business. You have to have good systems and you have to have a great culture, right? Systems are the rules of the business. The culture is what keeps your employees and your teammates um, adhering to the rules of the game. Yeah, I mean, and that's that's one of the, the big things that um, my real estate partner and I focus on on a day-to-day basis. Like, how do we build the right culture in our company to make sure we're able to attract the right employees and get them to stay? That's right. And that's been a huge learning opportunity for us this year as we've hired and fired quickly throughout the year. But I think we've got a pretty sound team now. And culture is absolutely the basis for the success that we're aiming to have in 2019. So yep. completely agree. Yep. One, one thing that I like about this with the systems is that we love talking about business, but we love to talk about real estate too. And if you want to grow your real estate business, then you definitely have to have systems as well. And I've learned that myself. You know, you want to have a, a set procedure on how to how to choose a tenant and a set procedure on how to collect money and a set procedure on if they're late, what do you charge them? Stuff like that. Yeah, that's right. And, you know, the systems aren't only, they're not only important for the business owners or the employees within the system, they're important for your tenants as well. Because if every time they they have to reach out to your property management company, they have a different set of rules that they have to play by, they're going to become frustrated. Right. Right. So it has to be a consistent message all the time consistent uh, customer experience. Yeah, absolutely. So um, I know, so some of the listeners probably know, but uh, I own a local property management company in Rhode Island and uh, systems are huge and critical to our success. So one of the big systems is, you know, even if you owe a dollar on the 16th of the month, you receive a letter that begins the eviction process and sometimes freak out and pay and others take it in stride because they're normally late. But guess what? On the 16th of every single month, they know that letter's coming. Even if they're a dollar behind, that letter's getting sent out. Right. So systems are critical to the success of stabilizing your cash flow to make sure that those properties are producing the residual income that you want. Yeah, makes perfect sense. So let's talk more about restaurants because we don't spend a lot of time, besides eating at restaurants, just the, the back stories. Rich, can you tell us an example of maybe a restaurant that you, you don't have to give the name necessarily, maybe a restaurant that you owned and then how you changed it in the systems and how you turned it around? Yeah, sure, sure. Um, this is kind of appropriate for a real estate <laughs> podcast. Um, there's a lot of real estate investors out there that flip houses. 
Yep. And it seems like everybody on TV now does it HGTV. Everybody flips house. Everybody it's flips house. As easy as it is on HGTV. <laughs> and the after appear value is always higher than when you started. <laughs> That's right. And you always win. You always make money, right? That's right. That's right. Well, I did the exact same thing with restaurants for 25 years. So you look for an underperforming asset, house right. in the real estate sense, or a restaurant that has good bones, uh, meaning great location, great potential customer base, um, you know, good equipment and so forth. And that's the starting point, right? Right. And so what, you, what I always did was I would go, I would buy it at a discount, um, and then I would see what was working, what wasn't working, or if I was going to bring my own concept in if, the, if what was already happening there was already too far gone, uh, and then we would improve it from there. So, and how are you finding those opportunities? Are you going in negotiating yourself? Is it referral through networking? Like, how did how did you find a couple of those? All of the above. Okay. Back in the day, we used to scour the newspaper. <laughs> that's awesome. <laughs> For all you old listeners out there like me, that's that's we used to use the classifieds in the newspaper. Uh, I would find out opportunities through my food food service sales reps that used to call on me. Um, different restaurant. You know, it's a big world, but it's a small world when it comes to networking. Yeah. So it's it's all the above. It's all the same principles. Like I said before, all businesses are the same, right? It's just different, uh, just a different widget. Yeah. Same same exact principles. Absolutely. So that's how we would find them, and then uh, yeah. So you you walk in the shoes for a little while, see what's working in the business, and then you start syst- systematically making changes. So do you come in? So day one, you buy a restaurant. You come in. Are you immediately making changes a lot of time, or are you kind of letting it sit and watch it for a few days, week, couple weekends? What's that process look like? Yeah, typically, most cases, I watch it for a little bit. I, you know, I, I work right alongside the, empl- the employees that I bought, quote unquote, with the with the purchase of the restaurant, and um, I see who has what strengths, what weaknesses, who who you know who's good with the customers, who isn't, uh, and so forth. Then we start making changes on that, and then. Uh, you know, then you analyze the menu and, and so forth. Most cases, if I'm buying a restaurant at a discount, it almost never has good systems in place. Yeah. And, and that's actually, once you figure out how to do that, that's actually the easy part. Uh, and then as you're making changes, it actually takes a lot of the pressure off of the owner because when your employees don't really, may not agree with what you're doing, you just point back to the systems and say, this is what the system says. We're going to make it match the system because the system works. Right. You guys, this is a tried and true method. This is how we're going to have success. This is how you're going to stay gainfully employed. So buy into the system or I'll go find somebody else. That will. I was going to ask that. Um, for most of the employees, when you buy that restaurant, are they like nervous that they're going to lose their job immediately? Or what do you think is going on? Yeah. There's a, there, yeah. Yeah. So some people are nervous. Usually, the ones that have a reason to be nervous are nervous. The ones they, <laughs> that's so true. It's true, right? I mean, even, are, even with tenants, the chattiest tenants absolutely. when you take over a building are always your problem tenants. They're telling you about everybody else's problems. Little do you know that they have triple the amount of problems that they're telling you. About. Well, yeah, they're probably trying to deflect the uh, right, yeah, the spotlight away from yeah. them. And then the you know the employees that show up with the intent of doing the best they can every day, they have no worries. Right. Yeah. Right. So, they'll come in. They'll they'll work on the new systems and. That we get to go. Yeah, yeah. So, uh, when you talk about restaurants, I mean, you've done quite a few. Can you tell us an example of maybe like the most uh, edgy restaurant you've done, or just something that's really cool that nobody else would have heard of before? <laughs> well, we've done a few different things, a bunch of different concepts. Um, I have uh, an ice cream shop that 
I've had for almost well this year will be 30 years uh, so that That's has awesome. a, yeah that has a, like an old-fashioned um, beaver cleaver vibe if you will if you guys again if you're old enough to know what leave it to beaver is well the ice cream shop's been around longer than I've been alive so yeah ice cream shop's <laughs> been around for over 40 years um, so that that has one vibe it's uh, it's in a tourist area and it's generations of people that come through so it's like going back in time when you come in there that's awesome yeah I've had a, uh, another store that was at a co- on campus at a college campus it opened at you know seven o'clock at night it was open till three in the morning as you can yeah. imagine that was a very different vibe uh, but it was fun nonetheless. Uh, and that was all college kids who were, uh, you know, learning about the principles of business during the day while they were in classes. And then they were applying them, you know, at night yep. with that. I have a fine dining restaurant that is, um, you know, fairly expensive restaurant, beautiful environment right by the ocean. Uh, so that's a different vibe, you know. Um, yeah, and, and, on, and yeah. that restaurant has multiple levels to it, too, because it's not just the dinner service that you guys run. That's right. Right? That's right. Because it's, a, it's attached to another business. It's, ta- it's attached to a famous um, Broadway-style theater that's right on the ocean. Uh, so we do all the, you know, we do the intermission bar. Uh, so as a very busy, you know, bar business, uh, we do the fine dining restaurant, and then we also do weddings and events there. Right. So multiple different facets to that business as well. Yeah, yeah. So again, though, it's all the same systems behind the scenes. Uh, the difference is the, um, you know, the, the food that we deliver. It's a different menu, but it's a, again, it's a similar process. So it's all about creating the, the best guest experience. We sell, we sell experiences at the end of the day, right? right? Whether you're a property manager, you're selling a great experience for your owners, or you're selling a great experience for your tenants, your vendors, your employees. It's about providing experiences. Right. It's the systems that let you do that. Absolutely. And I think one of the big things um, as we onboarded Rich into our property management business that we've talked about, he said, hey, listen, it's a privilege to live in our buildings. And that goes back to the experience, right? So if you have the property manager that's delivering the experience or you're the DIY landlord delivering that experience, remind your tenants it's a privilege to live here. And if they're not paying rent, they're not doing the right things, they can lose that privilege. Right. They need to go to another property manager. (laughs) Yes. Another, Another building who doesn't care about them. Right. Absolutely. Would you say that from your restaurant background, that helped you um, helped you in the process of finding cash flowing real estate that you found fitting to your investment needs? Oh, yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. You know, everything comes back to an ROI, you know, yeah. financial ROI. You know, the restaurant business, a lot of things are through repetition. So you want to save, save money or increase your, your uh, profit. You look at the, the tasks or the products that you use repeatedly over and over again. So if you're one ounce over on an item that you sell a thousand of every day, that adds up in a hurry. That's going to add up a lot faster than someone that's stealing 10 bucks out of your register. But everybody worries about the guy stealing 10 bucks out of the register. Yeah. Right? So you look at, you know, you look at all the small wins all day long that add up to a a big pile of money. It's the same thing with real estate, right? Um, You try to minimize your vacancies. You uh, get on a a system of increasing your rents a little bit every year. Right. So that you don't all of a sudden have to whack somebody with a huge increase. Then you're the bad guy. Right. Stay current with all of that. Yep. And then everybody's happy. Right. And the tenant expects it. You know, if they're there with you for a few years and you're doing a two and a half or a three percent increase every year. Right. They kind of know what's coming. And that's a really good point because, I mean, Frank bought a building recently and we came in and we increased rents for him. But I mean, the tenants knew that they were getting a great deal and uh, we had to increase rents 200 plus dollars per month and nobody left because they knew that they were getting a great deal. Yep. Um, but if you know if the owner before Frank and his partner purchased that building, 
stayed up on the rent increases, you know, she probably would have been able to sell it for a higher price, right? So having, having the right systems in place, you know, those small wins of 2 to 3% increases every single year, that's going to be a big win when you go to transfer that asset. So the rest of that story, real quick, is that even though we raised the rents, we were still below market. Yeah. And we didn't lose one tenant. Yeah. Which was really cool. And yeah. then we also added small upgrades, too. I mean, replacing the parking lot, replacing the windows for high-efficiency windows. So Frank calls small upgrades. I call it huge <laughs> upgrades. And it made my job easier, so I appreciate that. <laughs> um, but, yeah, no, the, the tenants recognize those things. Now, if you go in and you push through a major rent increase, and that's part of your process of when you onboard the building, but you're not doing the right things, taking care of the tenants, they're probably going to leave pretty quickly. Sometimes you may want that to happen, but <laughs> there are times. Um, most of the times you probably don't because you want to stabilize that cash flow. Because you know whether tenants are there or not, you're still going to have expenses every single month. Well, and, and don't forget too. Um, in my experience with the restaurants and even even with uh, you know tenants, people buy people want a great value. Yes. Value isn't always based on price. And if you build your business based on if you build your value proposition based on the low price. You're not, it doesn't, it's not sustainable. Yeah. You build it on a great experience or well, the quality of the experience, then people are more willing to spend a little more money. When you have to raise their rent, but they're getting more for it, you know, like Frank, you know, plowing the, um, paving the parking lot, replacing the windows, he raised it, but then you gave him something extra along with it. That's where, that's the value. And people appreciate that. You know, with restaurants, I've been through a couple of different economic cycles and, uh, you know, everybody says, well, oh, oh my gosh. The economy is crashing, you know, like in 2008. Yep. Well, so a lot of a lot of people will lower their prices or use inferior products. We never did that, and we, we would always just increase the value. So while I had a, a deli where uh, we used to serve, if you ate in the rest in the deli, that we would serve it on, you know, disposable uh, plates and and so forth. Well, when the economy turned down, we said, well, how are we going to increase the value? We're already using the best ingredients we can. Well, we started serving everything on real china with real forks and knives and you know and glassware and so forth well our sales never dipped in fact we grew through the recession um, because right. we never we never discounted our prices but we kept creating a better value for our guests through the experience and that's what i try to do with my real estate as well that's one of the reasons why i like working with with lion because <laughs> that's what we do with our tenants you know right. we, we, we raised six or eight apartments this year yeah. significantly in their rents yeah and people were appreciative yeah, and we, we talk a lot about that a lot in the process when we onboard clients within the property management company, too. You know, a lot of people come in, and I ask them because they tell me, um, you know, I'm interviewing a couple different property managers. So that's great. How are you going to make a decision? Price. And I say, hey, listen, you know, based on price, we're never going to be the cheapest, but we are going to provide the best value. And I think working with Rich, we've proven that this year, and hopefully with a couple other investors as yeah. well. But we're starting to think about things kind of outside the realm of what a property manager typically thinks about, or at least in my own mind, I feel that way. But I mean, we've had conversations with Rich where we've taken on major projects um, across the portfolio in Socket, asking, you know, which building do we want to align this expense against for, you know, tax reasons to make sure that we're taking the most tax appropriate approach. Or when we go to upgrade those rents, we're also looking at, you know, upgrading the units and upgrading the tenants. So now you have a higher class of tenant in the same building at a higher rate, and now you have less headaches as well. That's right. Well, so 
It's just to add to that, the uh, lowest cost operator is not always the best choice. Right. A lot of people get hung up on that, though, right? So um, I know in my personal experience, I'm always looking for the best value. So as Rich is saying these things, I'm, I'm over here nodding my head because I buy into that every single day. It's not always, hey, let me let me go with the cheapest because it's probably not going to be the best experience. Well, and if you, if you look around, what, what are the restaurants that you always go to when you take your family to? Are they the cheapest restaurants in the neighborhood? No, are they the good ones? value and that's consistent. Right. We're going back to the consistent, right? That's right. That's right. And that's, I mean, when I go out on a, on a, um, I'll call it on a sales call, I'm going to the same restaurants over and over. And these guys joke with me because I always go to the same couple of restaurants. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, I know it's going to be consistent. I know I'm going to either get a good cup of coffee or I'm going to get a good sandwich because I don't want to go to a restaurant on a sales call. And have the food not be consistent, and then the prospect is, you know, unhappy with subconsciously, probably not with me, but unhappy with that experience, and that is kind of, you know, in line with what I provided, right? Because I invited them out there for the sales pitch. That's right. That's so, right. you know, and, and me with the, for, for myself with the real estate and finding a property manager, I'll usually one of my first questions is, you know, tell me about your follow-up process with my tenants. You know, after spending 30 years in the restaurant industry, I treat everybody like a guest. And when I managed my own properties, I did it the same way. You know, they would have a follow-up phone call within 24 hours. That was part of my system. You know, if I didn't have an answer for them, I hadn't heard back from, um, you know, one of my contractors, I would, I had a sundown rule. I would always call the tenant back by, you know, by sundown, whether I had an answer or not, just so they were kept in the loop. It's all about creating a you know, positive experience for, right. my, for my tenants, my, right. which I thought of as my guests. So when I hire a property management firm, that's usually one of my first questions. How are you going to follow up with my tenants? Because I expect it to be like their guests in either a, a hotel or a uh, right or or one of my restaurants. And Absolutely, that's one of the things that you guys are great at. Yeah, communication is huge. Yep, that that's what's going to set you apart in any business that that you take on. So, Rich, you just recently moved most of your stuff to property management, but when you were managing the stuff yourself, can you give an example of how you used the system and how a property maybe that was losing money when you picked it up? How you change it and became a real uh, profitable building? Uh, sure, sure. So um, years ago, I, I uh, when I started buying real estate and investing in real estate, I, I was focusing on an area around one of the major colleges in Providence, and at the time, um, house value, property values were still you know the market values were low. Um, so we went in. Um, Look for a house with great bones, which was part of the system, right? Yeah. So looked for a house with great bones. Uh, had had hardwood floors that were were beat up, but were great because you could refinish them and they shined. You know, it had the right number of bedrooms, had the right number of units, and so forth. So that was all part of the the uh, discovery process, right? Once we got past that, we made we made a deal that was in line with our financial requirements, right? right? Um, did the rehab work? on the house and then when we found our tenants we priced it according to what we thought the market should be at based on the per bedroom cost that college students were paying at the time interestingly enough at the time as we're working on the house uh neighbors that actually lived in their multi-family houses uh, next to us who were owners were coming over saying hey how much are you asking for that apartment and i would tell them they say oh you're never going to get that much in this neighborhood no way <laughs> you're crazy and everybody was talking about me like i was a fool well we rented that house in a matter of about a month all three floors and then continued to buy more of them, turning them into uh, fraternity and sorority houses, which then enabled us to charge even more for rent. Right. Um, and once we started doing that, a couple other investors came along and started following what we were doing. 
Yeah. Before you know it, change the whole neighborhood. The whole, yeah, yeah. The, the rents in the whole neighborhood went up. Yeah. Now you think about it. There's, I mean, there's one real estate group that man that controls. I would yeah. say eighty to ninety percent of the student rentals in that market. So. Yep. Yep. And you started the trend. I'm a trendsetter. <laughs> Trailblazer. Yes. <laughs> so uh, the next question that I think we should ask is, uh, if you were to give advice to somebody that's new, somebody listening to this podcast, somebody that hasn't, hasn't really invested anything yet, what, what would you recommend? How could they become a better investor? Sure. Uh, take action. First and foremost, do your research, get off of the couch, take the leap. Yeah. Uh, everybody loves watching the TV shows. They love listening to the ads at 2 in the morning on uh, TV and how they're going to have that private that private. Spend jet. $300 and make millions in real estate. Right. <laughs> and they never spend the $300. What do you got to lose, honestly? What do you have to yeah. lose? Right. Potentially, you know, uh, a huge net worth in the future. That's what you have to lose, right? Yeah. So take the chance. Do your research. Um, meet people. Network in the industry. There's so much knowledge out there. And one of the great things that I love about the real estate, the local real estate network, is everybody wants to help everybody. You'll have a few people that won't, but they're not gonna go very far because they're being selfish and they won't get any help from anybody. By and large, especially around here, I mean, we've got some great real estate investors that are happy to help each other. Yeah, and, and I, just, I tell beginners that all the time. Yep. Hey, listen, like real estate in this area is extremely collegial, and if someone <laughs> isn't, then you should be concerned. Because, you know, we all know many of the top investors and everyone's willing to grab a cup of coffee or a sandwich and kind of share some war stories and hopefully provide whoever the center across the table from some, some, I would say, pretty cheap education. That's right. Right. And regardless of how many units you own, whether you own one unit, five unit, a thousand units, there's always going to be somebody you meet that owns more. Yeah. So don't get hung up on how many units you have or you don't have yet. It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. Jimmy and I have talked very much about the uh, the local. We have one local major real estate group that uh, that we meet once a month, and uh, you've been to the group. I've been to the group, group for years. Jimmy's been to the group. Almost every major real estate investor in Rhode Island has either been to the group or spoken at the group. Yeah, you know, absolutely right. And you're never going to know everything about all of it, right? You know, because there's too many different types of real estate. But if you want to specialize in your area, and then when an opportunity comes up in a different type of real estate, you reach out to members of the group. Someone in that group has done it. Yeah. You know, so leverage the collective knowledge. Absolutely. You know, great advice. So next question, uh, the book recommendation. What do you uh, suggest for someone starting out? What would be a good book for them to read? Diary of a Wimpy Kid. No, just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> I, I would definitely say uh, the E Myth. Awesome. Emith is great because it shows you if you're going to go out on your own, it, it takes you through the the uh, course of uh, from being a technician to a business owner. Yeah. And the Emith is written by Daniel Pink. No. Is it, no. Michael Gerber. Michael Gerber. There it is. All right. So, uh, Rich's book recommendation is the Emith by Michael Gerber. So, Rich, we'd like to thank you for coming on to the podcast. We're really excited to have you. Thank you. Gave us some really good advice to us and our listeners. Thanks um, for having me. Appreciate it. You're welcome. Um, so we hope that you guys enjoyed the Cashflow Kings podcast. In the meantime, if you're looking for additional information about us and about what we're trying to share, you can check out our website at www.cashflowkings.com. And feel free to check us out on Instagram and Facebook under The Cashflow Kings. Cheers to your success. 
The Cash Flow Kings program is for basic entertainment purposes only. We do not give official legal, tax, or investment advice. Each person should consult their own advisors prior to making any financial decisions.